praise God. Man, isn't Jesus wonderful? I'm so thankful for what he did um, in the house this morning. And, uh, you know, being the day of Pentecost, it's wonderful to talk about uh, how precious and how powerful and the need uh, of the Holy Spirit is in our life. And, and we're going to do that again tonight. We're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. Uh, one thing I want to stress, though, and just make clear before we share the word, and I think Pastor Josh will appreciate it and definitely agree with it. Our, our greatest commission upon the face of this earth is to win the lost. It's to win the lost. But we need to remember that uh, God sent His Holy Spirit uh, to equip us to win the lost. And we need that. And he, he, he needs a church that's, that's on fire. And so I, I, I just know without a shadow of a doubt, believe without a shadow of a doubt, my relationship with him is all wrapped around the fact that the Holy Spirit and fire is so important. And so tonight, I, I, I want to have a little fun tonight. Is that okay? Uh, and we're, we're going to talk on the subject of take another drink. I just feel like wrapping up this night, Pastor Josh said, Chris, come on the day of Pentecost, preach. Preach on the Holy Spirit. And I know there's a lot of folks in here. This morning we prayed for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. Lots of prophetic words spoken over people. I also know there's uh, folks here that would, many said, just pray for me to get more. I just want more. And so uh, that, that's what we're going to do tonight. If you want to Turn to Acts chapter 2 and just mark it. we got to read some of that again. And uh, I'm just going to start out with a, uh, an introduction here of a story from old. On January 1st, 1901, a young woman by the name of Agnes Osman was baptized in the Holy Spirit at a small Bible school in Topeka, Kansas. Osman received a startling manifestation of the gift of tongues and became the first Pentecostal of the 20th century, hallelujah. Her, her former Methodist pastor and holiness teacher, Charles Fox Parman, recalls that he simply laid his hands on her and he prayed about three dozen sentences when the glory fell. That was that word, it fell. The glory fell on her and this halo surrounded her head. I'm trying to stay true to, to her words there, his words. And it was on her head, it was on her face, and she began speaking what he said was a Chinese language and was able, unable to speak English for three days. Well, that's a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. It's noted that Osman's experience was the touch felt around the world. The touch felt around the world. However, that was 1901. It wasn't until 1906 that Pentecostalism achieved worldwide attention. And that came through the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, uh, California, led by Pastor William Joseph Seymour. I have a book up here tonight. Pastor Josh, you're probably familiar with this book, uh, it, it, Anointed to Serve. It's full of, of stories, and uh, I'm going to read at least one or two of them tonight based on time, just to share with you how God was moving in that day. And when I said this morning that God came down in an in a irrefutable, uh, powerful way and he seized people, he arrested people, he truly did. He truly did. And, and I believe we need it in our day. 
because we are so in control of our lives, we need to give up control to the Holy Spirit. Uh, as the nation in this story here, as the nation celebrated a new century, when it moved in there to uh, 1906, they, they never would have imagined, never would have imagined that that humble event in 1901 would have triggered a worldwide Pentecostal movement, and it, it began one of the mightiest uh, revivals and missionary movements. That's the key. Church-planting movements in the world, in the history of the church. And what excites me is, you know, my, my uh, ordinations with the Assemblies of God. This is a Pentecostal church of God. But we're all of Pentecostal origin. Our churches has its roots in Pentecostalism. And it's important. From a handful of people in 1901... The number of, of Pentecostals has steadily become the largest family of Protestants in the world today, and I think that's key. You know, my grandma Elsie, she's 94 years old. She was a tongue-talking Methodist out in the Brush, Akron, Colorado area, and she will tell me stories of, of the persecution they faced for being Pentecostal. We don't face any of that today at all. And, and to think of the sacrifice that was made. And, and, and maybe there's older folks in here. Maybe you, you, you hear your parents tell those type of stories. It's so crucial. We, we celebrate that. Uh, according to Barna Research, there's over one billion believers that speak in tongues today. And he says that soon, more than half of the worldwide Christians will speak in tongues. That's according to his research in the next few years. Tongue-talking believers across our world. The fourth largest denomination, and, and I'm not trying to tout my denomination, it's just the fact, the fourth largest denomination in the world, if you combine all of the other tongue-talking, spirit-filled denominations together, and only second behind the Catholic Church is the Assemblies of God. There's been a massive move, a massive push for the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The largest church in the world is in, is in uh, Seoul, Korea, Dr. Cho. And it, it's, it's touting numbers of 850 soon to be a million in one church. All these house churches planted of tongue-talking, spirit-filled believers. And I love it. I think it's great. I love what God's doing in our world today. Uh, folks, the Bible addresses speaking in tongues. And I shared this scripture this morning. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. And it says, they shall speak with new tongues. It's in the word. And, and I love how it's addressed several times in the book of Acts. I touched on Acts chapter 2 this morning. We touched on Acts chapter 10. I mentioned Acts chapter 19. Uh, powerful stories there that talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But what I do like is in 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul begins to lay out a variety of, of guidelines. He says, I speak in tongues more than you do. He says, I, I wish that you all spoke with tongues. He, he said that you should not forbid the speaking in tongues. 
And I also like where he says, speaking in tongues is a sign to the unbeliever, not the believer. And I think that's powerful as well. When you'll read those stories in the Bible, even on the day of Pentecost, they were all standing back. We'll see that in a minute, thinking, what's going on? What's going on with these folks? And so tongues is, is something that is real, something that is needed, something that is powerful. And, and the thing that breaks my heart is how the world and the, the church has become worldly and we have gotten away from our DNA. Our DNA of this Pentecostal outpouring of God. It should be in us. Most churches and, and dom denominations around us, they slam this Pentecostal blessing. They call it a weird doctrine. And, and you know what? I made up my mind a long time ago, no matter what other people said. Because listen, my mom and daddy, they didn't believe in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When I was raised as a kid, I didn't walk through the door of a Pentecostal church. This hasn't been with me forever. They'd say, if you clap your hands, that, that ain't right. If you raise your hands, that, that, that kind of stuff, it's just not of God. That's how I was raised. And when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and it changed my life, I told you this morning, I hadn't read that. I didn't know about that. I didn't know the background of it. All I know is that everything I'd been told, my mom and daddy Bible doctrine, all got washed away when God touched me and filled me because I know it's real. Amen? That, that Pentecostal power, that's that old song, it's real, it's real. You know, we know it's real. And, and I don't care what folks says. I know what the book says, and I know what my experience says. The church needs to experience Pentecost again. And it's a message that he's put in my spirit. When we read the happenings that occurred in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, that initial coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the history of Pentecost, it's important that we talk about it, that we preach about it, and, and that our younger generation knows about it. I was blessed this morning to pray for several older people and encourage and impart into them to use that influence within this congregation. You have not retired yet. You are not done yet. You may have retired from your job, but, but the Lord has called you to display the marvelous works of the Lord to a generation coming up behind you to take your place. It's very needed. And I say, God forbid the watering down of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to be a part of robbing this generation of the power of the Holy Ghost, the supernatural power of God. I'll be a fool for Jesus Christ to display it. So be it. And I pray you too. I want to see it fall. And I said it this morning. What's cool is that the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Jesus did not leave anyone out. And there's a sound of abundance of rain that is falling on this nation today. There's demographic areas where people are crying out and they're hungry for the outpouring of God, and it's coming down. It's coming down. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 2. I've got to read just a little bit of it tonight. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. I want to drop down to verse 14. Then here's kind of what I'm going to talk about tonight. It says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this, these people are not drunk. As some of you are assuming, nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Now, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. They were so full of the Holy Spirit that they appeared to be drunk. They were under the influence. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 2. It also says that, that their only defense was that it was too early in the day to be drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Nobody would be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. The only way they'd be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning if they'd been drinking all night and into the morning hours. And that was the defense. Years ago, Pastor Josh, I mean, I had just started preaching. I didn't, you, re, you probably remember those days. And, uh, man, I, I didn't have a clue. I mean, I didn't go to Bible college, and, and I did my best. And I started preaching about being drunk in the Spirit years ago, 20-plus years ago. And one of the first scriptures I preached was Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 where it says, don't drink wine excessively, in 19. It says, the drunken path is a reckless path, and it leads nowhere. Instead, let God fill you with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you're empowered to speak to each other in soulful words of, of pious songs and hymns and spiritual songs to sing and make music with your heart attuned to God. Be not filled with wine where it's in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Tonight, I say we're going to have a little fun. And tonight, I want to come into the house. I'm challenging everybody tonight to, make it, to take another drink. Tonight, what I want to advocate, what I want to support is that Pentecostal people of God, that we will make a decision to get spiritually drunk. Spiritually drunk on the Holy Ghost of God. I, I want everybody to encourage me tonight. Pastor Blatchley, he used to sing this song, I'm just lost in the presence of the sweet Holy Ghost. And when he would come, I used to say, sing that song, because in that song it talks about about to have a spell. Well, tonight, I tell you what, I feel like a bunch of people about to have a spell as the Holy Ghost begins to come down on us and stir in us. What I want to encourage you tonight, I talk about, you know, building a, a well, digging a well, and, and making a table um, at the altars. But what I want to encourage you tonight is that we are in church, and we are tend attending a spiritual Holy Ghost app, uh, uh, happy hour, if you would. A happy hour in the Spirit of God. And what I believe God wants us to do is go to Joel chapter 2 and open up 
Joel's bar for an outpouring of God to affect us and invade us and change us and fill us tonight. That's what I believe God wants to do as we celebrate the day of Pentecost. Here at Christ Point, Joel's bar. You say, a bar in church? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. If we're to do anything, this is the bar we should be responding to. An altar for the outpouring of God. Joel chapter 2, I read it about this outpouring on God's people. I read it there in the book of Acts. In the dictionary, this is what the word drunk means. To be drunk means to be overwhelmed, to be intoxicated, to be loaded, or to be under the influence of alcohol. And I'm praying tonight that we would get drunk on the Holy Ghost of God. Fully intoxicated under the powerful influence of the Almighty God. Not alcohol, i got to lay this out. Not alcohol, but God's Spirit poured out on us, the presence of God. Long time ago, I, I saw this bumper sticker. And it said, how to avoid a hangover. And the bumper sticker said, stay drunk. They probably thought that was really cool. Stay drunk. But see, a, a hangover is the downside of getting drunk. But, you know, some of you in here, some of you shaking your head, but some of you are just sitting there like, ain't ever done that. Come on. Come on. The downside of getting drunk is the hangover. A hangover is when the ecstasy, it turns into agony. The hangover is when the high turns into the low. It's when the excitement gets sickening. Come on. They say that the only way to avoid a hangover is to stay drunk. That's what they say. I don't know, but that's what they say. Stay drunk. See, when we, the church, when we get sick, when we get sick of church, when we get sick of reading our Bible, when we get sick of, of being a Christian, this Christian thing's not all that it's cracked up to be. When we get sick of giving, when we get sick of praising and, and worshiping God, when we get sick of serving and pleasing God and being obedient to God and sacrificing to God, may I submit to you that we are right in the middle of a spiritual hangover. And it's a sign that we need to get drunk under the influence of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost of God. It's a sign that we are spiritually hungover. And the problem with the church today is that many people in the church are nothing but social drinkers, Pastor Josh. I always wanted my people to come to church and drink it in. Drink in the praise and worship. Drink in what the Spirit of God is doing. We used to pray for the atmosphere to be full of the Spirit of God. And the problem with our church today is that we just want to take a little sip or two. We, we just, you know, we don't want to get totally buzzed on God. We don't want to totally get consumed by God. We don't want to get intoxicated and, and under the influence of, of the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because we don't want to lose control. We want to keep control. And if we get under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we're losing control. I can hear it now, right now, as people, as, you, as you're sitting in your chair, I can't believe we're talking about this tonight. I can't believe we're talking about it. But I'll tell you why we're talking about it. Because one of our problems is, is we don't want God to mess up or change anything about us or our life. 
Because we know when the Holy Ghost comes down, things are going to change. We know when the Holy Ghost comes down, we're yielding, we're running, we realize He's getting ready to seize us, come upon us, and, and this light is shining down, the fire is coming down. We say, I, I just want a little blessing, Pastor Chris. I just want a little blessing when I need it. I just want a little touch when I need it. I don't want change. I, I don't want anything to be messed up. I just want a blessing. I just want a, a little Holy Ghost toddy for my body. Come on. Grandma used to mix me one up once in a while when I was a little kid. Them old timers always did it, Josh. Put a little tea, put a little honey, squeeze a little lemon. And I don't know where Grandma got it, but she had this bottle. I'll say it. It was old charter, and she dumped just a little drop in there. A toddy. And that's the way a church is. I just want a little Holy Ghost toddy for my body and go, Woo, Pastor Josh, that was good. Thank you. I'll see you next Sunday. High five. Do you, do you know how to tell that you're a miserable Christian? You know how to tell that? It's when you are spiritually hung over. You used to be full of God. You used to walk in the anointing of God the power and the presence of God. You used to be full of the joy of God. And you're sitting there tonight and you know, you're saying, I know I don't have it like I used to have it anymore. You know that you're spiritually hung over when you're living off of an experience that happened a long time ago. God doesn't want us living off of yesterday's experience, last week's experience, last month or last year. I call it eating the ashes, the ashes of yesterday's fire. God wants us to get up every day and, and stack the wood and build a new fire, a fire for God and, and be full. That's, that's how you know you've got a spiritual hangover. I'm living off of last Sunday's experience. I'm living off of the experience of, of the last revival. And you're hungover. And that is a sick place to be spiritually. As God looks down, as Jesus looks down, as the third person of the Trinity is moving throughout this world, looking at us, he's saying that is a sick place to be. Won't you get under the influence of the Holy Ghost of God and let him do a work in your life? It's time. It's time to run to the well. It's time to run to the altar where Joel's bar is open, where it's on the house, where it's free, and to take another drink of the Holy Ghost of God. Whew. It's so real. It's so real. You know, that's what Satan's done. He's presented to the world a counterfeit for everything. A counterfeit. Everything good that God sent, Satan made a counterfeit. In our world, they have to belly up to the bar to, to have that beverage. When we, 24-7, can have that Spirit of God invade us and fill us, it's there for us. So tonight we're going to talk about a few observations of a drunk and we're going to relate it to what God wants to do in our life. You, you know a drunk by the way they talk. That's the first point. You know a drunk by the way they talk. Most Christians are talking about quitting. They're talking about giving up. They're talking about how defeated they are and how sorry and, and messed up their life is. And you know 
What our problem is when we do that is we're not intoxicated and under the influence of the Spirit of God. Because when that happens, it changes the way you talk. It changes your attitude. Proverbs 18, 21, we know the scripture well. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. If you indulge in death and what you speak, that's what you'll receive. If you indulge in life, then that is what you will receive. That's what we indulge in. And that's what happened in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues. And they were so filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were so under His control and His influence that they did not talk the same anymore. We know that. When you got baptized with the Holy Ghost, you did not talk the same anymore. And the first thing that the Holy Ghost does when He comes into our life is He changes the way we talk. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We, we know that James 4, 7 says, I submit to God, I risk, resist the devil, and he flees from me. I, I like the passage in Luke chapter 4, base, verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim to the captives that they'll be released, the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. That's how God wants us to talk. He wants us to, to quote, Philippians 4.19, that my God supplies all of, of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Not that I, I don't have nothing. Not that I'm disgusted and broke and everything else. That the floodgates of, of heaven are open over me and I'm receiving a blessing that I can't contain out of Malachi 3.10. That's how he wants us to talk. He wants us to talk that I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed coming out. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. That's how God wants us to talk. I used to have people all the time, Pastor, I'm having such a rough day. And this was always one of the first messages I wanted to preach in my new church, Pastor Josh, when I got it. Just get on your knees. And cry out to the Holy Spirit. And he'll take care of it all. He'll take care of it all. A drunk's always close to a, another binge. A, a drunk's always close to, to falling off of the wagon. When things get rough, when things start going bad, and, and everything's going on, they, they go out and they get on a good drunk. You've seen it, you know it, it's all around our world. But for the Christian, what should we do? We, we should go out and get under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. The rougher my life gets, the more desperate I get, I should be receiving a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost of God. That's what happened in Acts chapter 4. They all ran together and they prayed and they call out to God. He shook the foundation of the house and they received a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit of God to be empowered to stand against the enemy of that age of that day and of that time. I've got so many problems. The stress is so overwhelming. I've got to get away from the burdens. I've got to get away from the pressures of life. Well, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to go get some praise on. You need to go get some worship on. You need to go on a binge. Go on a praise binge. Go on a prayer binge. Go on a running around the house shouting and dancing binge and let the Holy Ghost fall on you and bring a release and an empowerment that will bring blessing to your day. That's what you need. I mean, we, 
Everybody's probably done dancing they shouldn't do. Isn't it nice to know that God says we can do that kind of dancing, Pastor Josh? I can remember one time I was praying for this guy, and I was in my kitchen, and the Holy Ghost got on me. I had boots on. Holly was gone. And I got into this, I don't even, I was just dancing all over the linoleum in the kitchen, praying because I felt breakthrough. I had prayed through. I, I knew God was getting ready to do something. When I got done, I looked down, and there's black scuff marks all over the floor. I'm like, oh, Jesus, i got to get this fixed before Holly gets home. That was one of them binges in the Holy Ghost. And I was so happy cleaning up all of them spots off of the floor. Don't be drunk. Where is in excess but be filled with the Spirit of God. And when things aren't going right in your life, I want you to remember this. Go on a Holy Ghost binge. Just start walking around your house, praying in tongues, saying, God, come down. God, come down. Mm. Any of you turn around a drunk, you know the only way to endure a drunk, they say, is to get drunk with them. <laughs> get drunk with them. They say that sober folks despise a drunk. One time my wife and I was up when it used to be the Big 12 and we were trying to watch this basketball tournament and we were in this nice box seat and there's this kid in there drunk hitting on my wife. Grabbed her arm, we got out of there because it was going to get ugly. I despise a drunk and I'm sure many of you do too. But let's flip this around for the folks that's got the spiritual hangover. Most Christians despise a move of God. That's how you know you're spiritually sick. That's how you know you're on a spiritual hangover. In church today, they're like, oh, don't raise those hands. Don't, don't clap those hands. Don't start running them laps around the church. Don't, don't start dancing and, and shouting and praising and falling under the power. I don't want to hear them loud amens and, and those hallelujahs and glories to God. And if that's the way you feel sometimes, that's where you know where you're at with your spiritual walk with God. Your problem is you need to get under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God because you aren't drunk enough. If, if, if in the world today they endure a drunk by getting drunk with them, then you know what you need to do in church? You need to quit being a sipper. You need to quit being the sipping saint. That's what we always said. And the only way that you can endure a spiritual drunk is to become one. Amen? Become a spiritual drunk and get right in there with them and say, you know what, I'm going to join hands with you, and we're going to call down the Holy Spirit of God. We're going to get full like we've never got full before. They say that those drunks, that they, they get drunk in the good times, they get drunk in the bad times. And when things are falling apart, they go to their place. But what I like about being spiritually drunk is we can run to the church. We can run to the church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you can call up Pastor Josh and say, man, this week has been horrible. And Pastor Josh, I need you to open up the Holy Ghost altars of God. That is what I need. I need to get down to the altars and just have an experience with the Holy Spirit. I need him to fill me. I need him to take control of me. I need to get rid of this depression, get rid of this discouragement. I need to get the fear out. I need to get under the influence of the Spirit of God. That's what the Lord is calling out for us to do. Their mentality in the world is to, to go celebrate. 
Ours should be that we are just three hallelujahs from being under the influence. We're just this far away from breaking loose and running that lap around the church and saying, thank you, God, for the breakthrough and the victory that you're bringing in my life. It shouldn't matter what's going on. God can touch us instantly, fill us instantly, stir us instantly. We'll be overwhelmed by the power of God. When people in the world get drunk, everything that's ugly starts looking pretty. But let me tell you something about the spiritual drunk. See, if holiness looks ugly to you, you're not drunk enough. Because without holiness, we don't see God. If living right and walking away from sin and being pure is not attractive to you, then you are not under the influence of the Holy Ghost of God. If tithing does not interest you, if praising God does not interest you, you are not filled with enough of the Spirit of God, and you need to be filled with the fresh new filling of the Holy Ghost till it gets attractive to you. If this book that you're reading is not attractive to you, you need to get filled with the Spirit of God. You need it in your life. The drunks in the world, they, they don't care if people make fun of them. They don't care who talks about them. They don't care how people look at them. They, 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 they don't care. Someone calls us a holy roller and we're offended. My grandma used to talk about the dresses they wore, the long socks they wore. Because of the holiness of that day that, that they were practicing. You know what? I could give two hoots what people think. I really I don't care what people think. I'm not old, but I'm 48 years old. I've been around a little while. And I am too old and I've been through too much and I understand too much to care what people think. And you need to be the same way. I remember Mike Blatchley in some of our revivals. He, man, he could play the piano like nobody. And he'd get up and pop that piano seat and it would go flying behind and he would just dance and the spirit flip play. And, and one night the Holy Ghost got on him so powerfully. I used to tease him because I wear cowboy boots all the time. I I wore these sissy boots just so I'd look churchy and good, Pastor Josh. And then I saw everybody had cowboy boots on. And, and it, <laughs> Anyway, I'd always say, why do you wear them sissy boots? He got under the power of the Holy Ghost one night, fell on his back, kicked his feet up, and started kicking them in the air. You could see his socks and his feet. But you know what? He didn't care. He was spiritually drunk. God was blessing him. He was under the spout where the glory was coming out, and it didn't matter to him. I think about those revival services. He, he came out to, to, to Diamond one time when we were pastoring at Fidelity Church, and God came down in that place, and I just remember he had preached, and we had prayed for people, and I got up in front of the church. I took off my tie, Pastor Josh, and I was just a swing in it. I was just a dancing. I got lost in the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. I had never been drunk in the Spirit before, until that night, and I got drunk. All I know is that the next morning, I got up in my bed with my suit on. Those guys picked me up, took me home, put me in the car, took me home, and laid me in that bed. And I had a good soaking of the Holy Ghost of God. 
and I didn't wake up the next morning and think, oh my gosh, I wonder what my congregation thought. I woke up the next morning saying, thank you, God, for touching me and bringing me a joy and bringing me an empowerment and bringing me a release because that's what God does. I remember when this spirit of laughter was coming out. I was a young pastor, and I remember watching this video from Oral Roberts University, and someone brought this up today, it brought back some memories, and Rodney Howard Brown was speaking at Oral Roberts University, and all these people were laughing, and I told Holly, I said, that's not God. That is just not God. I look back on that thing, Pastor Chris, for you to say that? One night, we was at Newton County Christian Fellowship, and, I, and of course, I, I'm preaching on a, some type of title like how to get joy in the Lord. I'm looking out at the congregation, and I begin, I share my title, and I begin reading scripture, and laughter breaks out in the church. And it's, it's this lady, her name was Julie Sanders. Laughter is breaking out and interrupting me while I'm preaching or getting, reading the scripture, the holy scripture. And I remember looking out at Julie in this congregation of probably 80 that night, and I said, you need to stop doing that. It's not God. It's on cassette tape, Josh. Pastor Josh, I recorded that, and I said, that's not God. And I looked back down, and I started reading, and you know who the next person was that started laughing? My wife! My wife! is laughing uncontrollably. And like a wave, it starts moving through the church. And this old guy in the church that was just always, I'm sorry, he was just a thorn in my side. I couldn't open the envelopes right. And he was on me about it. I look back and he falls out of the sound booth onto the floor laughing in the spirit of God. And I'm closing my Bible looking around as it's invading the church and then gets on me. Church was over. We got a baptism of the laughter of God. And if you've ever had the laughter of God on you, you might as well be drunk, right? You might as well be drunk. People were bucking and kicking and rolling. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Who knows the spiritual surgeries that took place that night? Who knows what God did in people's lives that night? And I apologized and said, I was wrong. And how dare I be the one to dictate this is God and this is not God? Because obviously it was God. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. And folks... That's the wonderful thing about Pentecost. God pours things out on us that blesses us. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman, and he will take care of us every single time. You can be assured of that. Drunks don't have any feelings. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 35, it says, They have beaten me, and I felt it not. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. Those drunks in the world, they go out on Friday, Saturday night, they get hammered, they eventually get in a fight, they get up the next morning, they look in the mirror, and their nose, their nose is pointed the other way, their eyes black, their lips split, and, and they look back in that mirror, and, and they say, I didn't even feel it. I don't even know what happened, because a drunk don't have any feelings. Now, what I'm getting ready to share is real important to the church. Because in the church today, we tiptoe around each other. We're so careful around each other. I don't want to offend them. 
The pastor didn't shake my hand. They didn't ask me to share the testimony. I volunteered to do this. I didn't get to sing the special song. I didn't get up on the platform. Well, pastor preached that message and he preached at me. Can you believe he preached at me? Listen, if you're doing that kind of stuff, you are not under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Because when the Holy Spirit of God is on you, you don't have those kind of feelings. The drunk's going, hit me again. Preach that message again, Pastor Joss. Preach it again. I'll have my steel-toed boots on. <laughs> no feelings. They don't have no feelings. You can't offend somebody who is spiritually drunk. It runs off. It runs off. And that's the way we need to be in church. If they don't shake your hand, you go shake theirs. If they don't hug your neck, you go hug theirs. Come on. That's what God's looking for. That's what God's looking for. In this lost and dying world, they need lovable people. And we need to have the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Drunks don't have pride. And this is so huge in the church. They don't care if their shirt tail's hanging out. They don't care if their hair's messed up. Man, I, 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 I just got to talk about ladies here for a minute, but I love when the Spirit of God gets on ladies because they'll shake out their pretty hair that's all made up. That mascara will run. They'll go after God. They don't worry about the makeup because they're getting under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Drunks don't have pride. And you know what? We in the church, we shouldn't either. And that's one of the reasons why Pastor Josh, when we're in churches and we're pressing in and we're preaching and we're plowing and we're praying for a move of God and we're looking out, we see pride and people's rear ends are, are bolted to the seats when they should be jumping up and going after God. We shouldn't even be getting done with our sermons. There should be a rush to the altar. There should be a breakout in the Holy Ghost. They're glued to the seats because of their pride, because they're worried about what everybody's going to think. And there's no move of the Spirit because of that. And when that is happening in your life, when you are sitting there and the Spirit of God is saying, give that message in tongues, give that prophetic word, give that interpretation, get up and bust loose and run around this building for your wall to come down. It's pride. And you know what? It's time that we just let God Pour his love out on us. I tell you what, this morning, I was so drunk in the spirit praying that the tears were flowing out of my eyes. I was going through box of Kleenexes. I couldn't control it, what God was doing, and the words that I was sharing with people, and what was going on in people's life. Because they were letting down their, their pride. And it's time that we don't have that pride. If you want to buck, buck. And if you want to shout, shout. And if you want to run, if you want to roll, if you want to dance, it doesn't matter. If you want to break out and speak in tongues and go through the church, it's okay. It's all right. Give, go after God. I can assure you, if just the church would break out and begin to do that, there's a hunger for it. There's a hunger for it within our bodies to just know that it's okay to pursue and go after God. And I'm telling you tonight, 
We need to look at these altars as a spiritual bar, Joel's bar, the Pentecostal bar that we're going to run to and receive that infilling and the touch of God. Don't look at me and tell me I can't dance. Don't look at me and tell me I can't do that. When in Samuel chapter 2, or 2 Samuel chapter 6, we see that David did that. He broke out with the dance and he got free. He got free. Don't let anybody look at you and, and say that that's negative and that's bad. Break out in your dance. We're redeemed. We're saved. And we're living in this world to impact people. Well, I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit of God and there is nothing that compare to the Holy Spirit of God. And when I need to take a drink, I'm going to take a drink. And I'm never going to have too much pride to praise Him. I'm never going to have too much pride to cut loose and go after God and display my hunger and my passion and my drive and my pursuit towards Him. God's ready for a body to do that. But I'm telling you tonight, we'll bust hell wide open with our pride. Bust it wide open with our spiritual dignity. God is wanting a holy undignity to come on His people. And He's wanting us to get real before Him, bear before Him, and open it up before Him, not look like a bunch of deer mounts hanging on a wall. That's how I feel sometimes. Deer mounts on the wall, they're not turning, they're not looking, their eyes aren't blinking. God, come down. God, move. God, shake us. I'm tired of dead, sober, dried up religion. We've had enough of it. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be a part of it. When you've got a spiritual hangover, it's a sign that you're ashamed of your love for Jesus. It's pride. And I'm not ashamed of my love for Jesus. If I don't praise Him, the rocks are going to cry out. How I long for the sound of Pentecost. Can you imagine what that upper room sounded like when it fell in that place? Can you imagine the sound of Pentecost? And I believe God wants to move through His church and invade the lives of people to bring forth the sound of Pentecost in the house once again. And I'm telling you, pride needs to come down. It needs to come down. Drunks don't like to get drunk alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, will you get drunk with me tonight? Come on. I feel like I'm the only one up on the platform getting a little buzz tonight. Come on. I don't want to be the only one in this building tonight to get under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Look down that row and say, are you going to get under the influence with me tonight? 
Drunks don't like to get drunk alone. Turn to your spouse tonight and say, we need to have a good Holy Ghost outpouring, baby. Look to your, the other person in this building tonight and say, we need God to come down. we got so many problems. And you know what? The Holy Ghost can fix them in a heartbeat. The Holy Ghost can fix them in one outpouring, one refreshing move of the Spirit. Drunks, they talk a lot. You can't shut up a drunk. They'll talk to anybody about anything. <laughs> And you start thinking about us in the church and the struggles that we have to talk and share a witness for Jesus with our family, with our friends, with, with our co-workers. Why is that? Because we're not under the influence of the Holy Ghost. A drunk won't shut their mouth. When you're full of the Holy Ghost empowerment and doom and power of God, you will witness. You will talk about Jesus. You will talk about the Bible. You will share your testimony. You'll say, you ought to come to my church and hear what they talk about. There's an open bar at the altars and the Spirit of God's coming out all the time. You need to come. People's getting healed. People's getting filled. And everybody knows about it. There's a counterfeit that the devil wants us to believe in this world today. And it should be coming from the church. Drunk people, we would see it at water gardens. Oh, they'll give you the shirt off your back. How much do you need? I'll do whatever you want. And tragically, we, we can't hardly get a penny out of the church sometimes. We can't hardly get a meal. And they're going, here's my grocery money. Here's my rent money. I love you. Here, you can have it all. You know, you're not spiritually drunk enough when you're having trouble with that tithe, when you can't give, give to missions, when you can't pour your heart out to the homeless. You know you're not drunk on God enough, and you need to get a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost. Drunks love everybody, and the church should be loving everybody. We need to be spiritually drunk. It doesn't matter how dirty they are. It doesn't matter how poor they are. It doesn't mean how much hell they've been through, how they've disappointed us, how they've let us down. Jesus Christ hasn't given up on anybody, and he never will. His hand is always extended towards them, and we need to get drunk and go after the lost. We need to love them. We need to love them. Drunks like to fight. They like to fight. I'm, I'm tired of a, a weak church. I'm not saying you're weak. I'm saying I'm tired of a weak church. Drunks like to fight. And when we get empowered by the Holy Spirit of God and we're drunk in the Spirit of God, we will not back down and give up our authority and our leadership authority to the devil. He's been defeated. And we need to be remembered by that. We need to take back the territory we've lost. We need to rout out those territorial demons that have set up their encampments in our communities. We need to make a move for God like we never have before in this realm. We need to fight. We need the spiritual intercessors to rise back up in the body again. We need there to be a mourning. We need there to be a cry. We need there to be a groan coming out of the church again 
And you do that by getting under the influence of the Holy Spirit and invading and fighting enemy territory. Fight for the lost. Press in for the lost. Hmm. The last thing I'm going to share is that a drunk will do anything to get another drink. Anything to get another drink. I think that's one of the things I desire to see in the church the most. I was preaching in my church in Geneva, Nebraska one Sunday morning and it totally caught me off guard. We had chairs just like this. And a lady by the name of Lori Linaberry were just preaching along just like tonight. And all of a sudden, she's four rows back. She's lost in the spirit of God, and she stands up, and she just starts moving forward and plowing her way through the chairs until they unhooked and broke apart and came up to the altar and just fell face down. Fell face down. Shut the message down and open the altars. Something's going on. A drunk will do anything to get another drink. I'm desperate to see a move of God happening in our churches today. I'm desperate to see a move of God invading our cities and our schools. I'm tired of having to go to a book like this that tells me that they used to stack them like cordwood. Because in the church services, they would fall under the power of God and lay there all night. They stacked them up on wagons and dropped them off at their house. Because the power of God come down. And I read it. I've got them marked, all these green pages, saying, God, will you do this again? People going to a train station, complaining to the evangelist, we didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost. We came up to your altar tonight and we didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost. And they're going to the train station to go home, 12 of them, and they just decide, you know what? We're, we, we don't need no preacher. We're just going to press in right here. All 12 of them got filled with the Holy Ghost at that train station in the 1900s. Three of them went out and did ministry for God. Desperate. Passionate. We've... We, We've got to keep our focus on what God has called us and he wants us to do. A drunk will do anything to get another drink. In Acts chapter 28, verse 31, and I'm going to close, the last words in the book of Acts. Paul's been arrested. He's under house arrest for like two and a half years, I believe it's telling us. And it says he's preaching the kingdom of God. He's teaching the kingdom of God. And it says he's doing it with a confidence and no man forbidding him. And that word forbidding him is powerful. It's one word in the Greek language and it means unstoppable. It means unstoppable. And it's awesome. And I believe what God is trying to say to us tonight, that when you're empowered with the Holy Spirit, and you're living under his influence, you are unstoppable. You can do the works of God for the glory of God. And that's how I want to close this thing out tonight.
Devils and demons cannot stop you. The pressures of this world cannot overcome you. The trusting and the trials and the opposition cannot stop you. And you can prevail against the enemy and build the church of Jesus Christ and, and invade enemy hell territory and win because the church is drunk on the spirit of Almighty God. We are unstoppable. And so tonight, that's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm believing for, that the saints of God will run to this altar again and say, I'm running to the bar. I'm running to God's Holy Spirit. And I'm saying, fill me, empower me. I want to leave tonight free and full of the Spirit.